It is uh, the D.L. Hughley Show, your indictment, uh, indictment update. update. So, of course, uh, it is the anniversary of the September 11th attack. Yes. I, don't, I, I don't know if you call it an anniversary because anniversary is generally something that you want to remember, right? That's what you call yeah, it. Yeah, you have to celebrate. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I don't know what you call it then. I just, uh, it marks, uh, marks could, another year. It, uh-huh. it could commemorate. And, you know, I remember, and I, I, I know I was coming in from Japan. I, I played a gig with Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi Pat Morita. And we were in, we had been in Japan and I had landed. We had taken a late flight. And my um, brother-in-law, uh, he was my road manager at the time. I said, uh, it was 5 o'clock in the morning. And he goes, man, are you, uh, are you watching this ish? And I said, what ish? He said, turn on the, turn on the TV. I said, what channel? He said, any channel. <laughs> and the first channel I turned on was a Spanish channel, and I got it. But initially, when it first happened, it was what was looking like paper, but those it ended up being people, people. who were jumping out. Yeah. And I remember the dude sliding down. The, I was just, it was just it was horrific. surreal. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrible. The thing that I remember the most, it was the first time in modern history where there were no planes in the sky. Now yep. that, I remember. Gone. That was eerie. That yeah. well. It was very it was eerie. But um, then we got right back to hating. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right we I remember that unity stuff. Waste no time. <laughs> yeah. I remember these dudes got on the plane and they were um, they were obviously uh, from the Middle East, and uh, you know they took them off the plane. Hmm. And wow. I because stewardess flights were playing, I thought that was racial profiling. But then I was like, or sometimes damn fine police work because I, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't. I <laughs> wasn't. A lot of I, people. I wasn't were liberal that then. day. Just listen, a lot of people case. were nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen. <laughs> Happy birthday to Raji uh, P. Henson. Happy birthday. Just, I, I just am so proud of her career. Happy birthday to Ludacris. Happy birthday to Harry Connick Jr. A lot of people think he was dope. Happy birthday to Sean Livingston. What a testament to tenacity. Yeah. This yeah, dude, he he tore his number one draft. Broke his leg. It looked like a deck of cards that folded. Yeah. And he won two championships with the Golden State Warriors. Happy birthday to the elephant, man. Uh, that's not even possible. He's still alive. No, the reggae the singer. Not, the, not, not still alive. Elephant Mind. Not, oh. not the, not the hey, dude they made the movie after. The, okay. the reggae singer, Elephant Man. I don't know nothing about reggae. Oh, man. I am not an animal, man. I am not an animal. No, he's dead. He's dead. I'm a human being. Not the one Cher played. No, no. No, no. That's a mask. mask. Okay, whatever, man. I don't. Okay. Just, all right. Just trying yeah. to happy birthday to Lola Falana. She's still alive, right? Yeah, Lola yeah. Falana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Happy birthday to Ed Reed, one of the best uh, players in secondary history. I think uh, he didn't remember. He went to he went to Bethune Cookman to coach. Yep. And he left after a week. He yep. wasn't like Dion. He's like, you know what? These. <laughs> 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 They Mill need my dude. help too much. Yeah, they the mill dude helmets. And I think both those guys, you know, the one thing that Deion is showing is if you can play at that high level, you probably could teach at that high level too. So right. it's fair. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, HBCUs could be a, a new pipeline. So that'd be great. Ed, Eddie George is coaching. Ed Reed was. So uh, we got a great show lined up for you. Of course, we got 90 seconds of 90s hits with DJ Lucci. Of course, I'm going to have a little note from the GED section and the Jazz Report. On the D.L. Hughley Show. So at the end of the week, we learned from the Justice Department, the special counsel who is overseeing the Hunter Biden investigation, that they would more than likely bring charges um, um, against uh, the president's son, Hunter Biden, which is very interesting to me because initially this was supposed to be a plea deal. Uh, but the people on the right complained as if Hunter Biden's or people named.
same hunter don't get sweetheart deals all the time. Uh, I, you know, the, the, generally, and I said this last week about uh, Enrique Torrio, the darker the skin, generally the lengthier the sentence. And generally, people from well-to-do families don't do time, particularly for possessing a gun or tax evasion. You only do that if you Mr. Big or Wesley Sipes. Generally, you don't do that for them. But um, apparently, what, what turned out was going to be a plea deal. I think that he capitulated to the pressure on the right. Uh, but I think uh, that if he if he does indict Hunter Biden and they go to trial, the one thing you will not hear is the president of the United States telling everybody how the judicial system has been weaponized. You will not try to see him trying to replace attorney generals like he did with, you know, three or four of them when they wouldn't do what he wanted. You won't see him trying to fire the special counsel. You will see him not saying anything. I guarantee you, if that had been one of the Trump people, one thing would have happened. The Justice Department would have said, well, we can't do anything about it till he's out of office. But if Hunter Biden did what it is they're alleging he did, then I say full-throatedly that he, well, that's probably the wrong way to put it. I say that he should uh, suffer the consequences of his actions. I don't think that he should get special treatment. Like, you know, like when you've been indicted 91 times, you're still able to tweet out threats against the the prosecutors and the grand juries and other witnesses. I think that whatever happens, he should, he, if he's found guilty, he should get whatever you get when you're a privileged white dude and you get found guilty of something. It, whatever it is, I guarantee you, he will not be doing a lot of time no matter who he was. I don't think they should make special circumstances for you if you have, if, if, particularly anyway, but I, uh, you, the circumstances as they exist now, they're not going to put that dude in no max, maximum security prison or anything of the sort, being as how he's a, prison, a dude from a privileged family and uh, being as how, you know, he, uh, the, uh, the kind of offenses he, he, he allegedly committed. But whatever happens, if it if it does happen, he gets convicted, indicted, goes to jail. There is nothing like what the Donald Trump has done. Donald Trump was entrusted with the nation's secrets. He showed that he couldn't be trusted. He was entrusted with the Constitution. He ran roughshod over it. Even a crackhead wouldn't leave nuclear secrets in the bathroom. Even a crackhead wouldn't do that. So if Hunter Biden is found guilty, I think that he should suffer the full consequences of the law. I think that there should not be people saying that the judicial system has been weaponized because right now Joe Biden is the current president of the United States and he could do exactly what Trump has been doing for eight years. Saying it's all about me. Saying people are doing this because of me. And look at what they're doing. And we should ha- rise up. That don't, that won't happen. If something happens to Hunter, if something uh, he gets indicted, he should go to jail. I dare you on the right to say the same thing. I dare you to say that he should not be given special treatment. That he uh, that he uh, if he broke the law, that he should suffer. You should stop. You should stop telling me that the judicial system is stacked against him. When you when you uh, when he uh, appointed the FBI director, the judges that are overseeing some of his cases, uh, the people that work in the Justice Department. Hunter is a crackhead, and you know what? Whatever happens, happens there. I guarantee you that people on the right will not tell Donald Trump to get what he deserves. They will not say whatever the legal system doles out to you is your punishment. So I'll trade you one crackhead <laughs> for con honors. That's a little note from the GED section. It's the D.L. Hughley Show. She's jazz. She's smart. It's the Jazzy Report on the D.L. Hughley Show. 
A judge in California issued a temporary restraining order against a school district policy that would require parents be informed if their child requests to go by a different pronoun or gender identity. The school district had issued a policy under its conservative majority board that would mandate parents need to be told if a student wanted to go by a different gender or if they wanted to be you know, referred to as something other than the official paperwork that they had turned in when they signed up for school. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think that parents who, are, until you're 18 years old, uh, you're responsible. If, if that child does something and they're 16 or 17 years old, or they're not at least 17 and a half, you're going to be financially responsible for it, right? Yeah. I think that's why the judge said, we got we to gotta halt this. We can't go on with this. Yeah, I don't the think, yeah, the way they wanted it was, if a child wanted to, you know, to be called a her and, you know, by, you know, legal terms or whatever it was a him. I don't think you, you should be castigated from the family, but I also think that the, a family has a structure. Much like we ate with my parents when I was growing up, I had to eat with my parents. Ate. I had to serve the God they told me to to. So when I, I could do whatever I wanted to do after I left their home. But when they were paying, listen, if you tell me that you're a girl, you when you can buy dresses, then I'll talk to you about Correct. it. Correct. But when I got to, I'm buying pants. In this house. That's what it is. <laughs> In well, this house here. Well, and you can call me whatever you want to, but, but you won't call me as bully by a child I'm raising. That is, How about that? No, that's you won't right. call me that. <laughs> I feel like a girl. I feel like not going to work. But you know what? Here's the deal. You don't put them pants on to take your ass to school? <laughs> okay, nothing about that. <laughs> oh, you, you still need my permission to go see the Avenger movie, and I'm supposed to let you decide what you're doing? Yeah, run roughshod over the house. Uh-uh. So obesity and alcohol are fueling a worrying rise in cancer among those under 50 years old. A new study suggests the number of cases among younger cancer patients has soared by 80% in the last three decades. The growth, the, the growth is prominent among wealthy countries like the UK, suggesting lifestyle factors are largely to blame. Yeah. Of course. Food yeah. choices, you know, overindulging in things Drinking, you shouldn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. Well, you, you, it's, it's, it's under 50, so you're oh. good. Oh, yeah. I'm way <laughs> so You keep doing what you're doing. Way over you there. Right. I made it. <laughs> All right. This is very interesting. So, of course, this is the anniversary of 9-11. You remember what you were doing that day? That's the question we're going to pose to you. Uh, 877-242-2426. Also, it is up on Twitter at D.O. Hughley Radio or on Facebook, the D.O. Hughley Show. And the website is the D.O. Hughley Show.com. I think that one of the things that I remember uh, most vividly is when... Um, George Bush was reading Doug Doug. What was that movie he was reading? Oh, he was reading to elementary school And he students. stood there. Uh, and just kept reading. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do. Yeah, he didn't know what to and do. And remember, everybody, they went in them silos, and for 30 seconds, Dick Cheney was in charge. Like, nobody knew what to do. <laughs> like, like here's the thing. When you vote for people, you never really count this as going to be a terrorist attack or a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You just vote for people. Well, how bad hard could it be? Well, now you see how hard it can be. We attacked the wrong country. Yep. <laughs> Saudi Arabia did it. We went right after Iraq. <laughs> so, and then we saw what happened with Trump when the pandemic hit. Remember like, that? Drink some bleach. Yep, You'll be all right. Yep, see, what? so you could, that's how that's what happened. So that's how it is. <laughs> so, remember, do you remember uh, which? What were you saying, Junius? I said, you remember Bush looked like uh, McConnell does now. You know when he yes he yeah, does. Yeah, he, yep. yep. he just sat there. Yep. <laughs> I think in a, after a while you get so full of lies that you that they haven't put one in the queue yet for you. So it's just <laughs> <laughs> waiting on the lie. It's like a, a stuck dispenser is what it is. All right, well, what were you doing on nine eleven? That's the question. Eight seven seven two four two two four two six. We are getting to your calls. It's the D.L. Hughley show. So nine eleven, of course, is the anniversary of nine eleven. Um, do you remember what you were doing that day? That is the question we're posing to you. Eight seven seven two four two two four two six. We are going to go to our social media 
other uh, platform. Uh, DJ Lucci, what are they saying? Yes, Brandon from Philly said, I just remember I was getting ready for school and my parents were like, you know, you don't have to go today. Every, I mean, what, do you remember that day? I didn't know what was going on, but I remember coming in you guys' room and you were you and mom were crying. And I was like, what is happening? It was stunning. Yeah, and then you guys stunning. were like, you're not going to school. And I was just like, okay, like I'm going to go lay with Ryan, I guess. And Kyle was like, I'm going to school. Like, yeah. Auntie Sonia tried to go get him. And like he was like, no, I'm staying. I think he was like the only student there. Yeah. But yeah, I just, yeah. I didn't know, I didn't understand the full impact of what was going on. And still, on. I, remember, I remember an article I read on the newspaper. And he, it, it was an article in Time magazine, and it was an op-ed. And this dude said, now the world will understand the power of the white-hot anger of white men. Mm. It said it. I was like, whoo. Mm. And they leveled the world. <laughs> I'm not even playing. Yeah. Remember he said, now the, the now the world will truly see what is uh, the white-hot anger of, of white men. As if we didn't know as black people. I was like, wow. Yep. That mean get ready to duck. Remember Saddam? He doesn't. Have, remember weapons of mass destruction? Yes. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. That we didn't find. Remember people we going to war for oil? We went. To, we went for war for gas, and people didn't have cars. It was dude had to catch the bus to the war. It was crazy. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna get to your calls. Nine eleven, uh, the day, uh, the course the, that day will always live in infamy. Do you remember uh, that day? What you were doing? Eight seven seven two four two two four two six. We are going to get to your calls. It's the D.L. Hughley Show. McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It is uh, the D.L. Hughley Show. Uh, if you remember that if you are in uh, Chicago, I'm going to be in Schaumburg. So make sure uh, that you check me out. Two Friday, two Saturday, and one Sunday. Uh, two No, two Saturday, two Sunday, and two uh Two, every day, two Friday, two Saturday, two Sunday. So come check me out. Um, the question that we're asking, ladies and gentlemen, is 9-11, uh, the anniversary of 9-11. Do you remember what you were doing uh, that day? You remember what happened, Jasmine? You remember I do remember. I had just arrived to work at a local radio station in Nashville, and everyone was standing around the TV, and I thought they were watching a movie because I could see it from the distance. And when I got closer, I thought it was confetti, and I realized it was people. And I, yeah. I it was hard to really grapple with that it was reality and yeah. not a movie. And we, we didn't work at all that night. Well, we were, yeah. you know, mostly everybody was standing around I, watching I TV. think it popped, even like for a long time, America was under the notion that our might would frighten people. Mm-hmm. That, that we they were would never, yeah. that they would never, and that oceans would protect us. And that, that was when you understood the resolve of people. Those men got on those planes. I remember Bill Maher got in trouble because he called them, Brave. Somebody called them cowards, and they they said th- th- those people cowards. And he said they weren't cowards. They didn't shoot from the ground. They they knew that they they committed themselves to dying yes. for their cause. It, you could call them whatever. You can call them crazy. You can call them deranged. What you cannot call them is cowards. It's a coward. Nope. And he got in trouble for that. He lost member politically. But on, but you, a white dude is gonna get canceled on Comedy Central and come back on HBO. So you can, <laughs> he can fail up. Yeah. Yeah. Fail up. But I remember he said that. He said, you know, they, they were, and they weren't cowards. You couldn't say anything that was nuanced at all. 
You no, couldn't say because, anything. Yeah, you could not say anything no. that that anybody might deem inappropriate, even if it was a slight joke. There was no jokes yeah. around it, whether in the airport or not. Nobody was. Ha- and, and again, like you said, I can remember uh, going to the airport and if they saw you praying or if you had you were dressed a certain way or looked suspicious, everybody had questions. Remember they had the color system, mm-hmm. you know, to let you know the terrorist alert. We were, so we were being protected by Skittles. Remember that? <laughs> remember that? <laughs> oranges. It's the taste of rainbow. <laughs> remember when everybody was like buying uh buying uh like a uh, plastic to tape in their showers in case of anthrax attack remember we we're doing all type of stuff no, i didn't do that they had they remember they were sending anthrax attacks to people so black people had every reason world not to open their bills and pay they uh, open their bills and pay them like, <laughs> I, I can't i can't risk my family's I life, pay my life. I, do I don't know man i scared to open it you, you know um, so it's the anniversary of 9-11. Do you remember what you were doing that day? 877-242-2426. We are going to get to your calls. It's the D.L. Hughley Show. The question we're asking, 9-11, it is the anniversary, a horrible anniversary. Do you remember what you were doing that day? Skip Cheatham, what were you doing that day? I remember, man, I was getting ready for work. I was actually in the shower, right? And all of a sudden, I, I don't know, my phone started going off. Uh, I think we were two-way pager days back in then. I'm yeah. like, what the hell? So I get out. I remember just having a towel on, and I get out. Who Calling me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the TV because I get the news on, and I'm like, oh man, uh, it's a plane and crashed into the building. And I'm watching Another it, way. and then all of a sudden you see the other one hit, and I'm like, oh sh-, you know, and it looked like a movie. It looked like special effects, like this didn't happen mm-hmm. for real. But um, yeah. you start calling everybody who's on the East Coast. I remember the telephone lines were down, you couldn't get in touch with anybody. It was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. And then the images, you know, yeah, the images yes. of people jumping out of the buildings, the images of people watching, walking across the Brooklyn Bridge and looking back and seeing all of the smoke. It was it was just terrible. And then when those buildings I, came down. Yeah, when they just horrific. And then the second one, it was like, so oh, sad. Man. And they hit the I Pentagon think, and it was like, oh, man. Yeah, I think it was surreal. I think that it had the effect of. I just, I couldn't believe it. And and that was the first time. I remember, I'll never forget in New York, I was out to dinner and a pan, you know, those, uh, some, somebody from a serving tray dropped. And everybody, and I had never seen like that kind of palpable, like. Fear. T- fear. It's fear. It's fear. terror. It was fear. And people were very nice to black people then. They're like, in case, For a little while. In yeah. case a fight break out, I know you got me, right? Yeah, it was about a but week. I'm telling you what, that attack would have been hard-pressed to happen on a, LA fly, uh, fly, on a Southwest flight from L.A. to Oakland. I know that wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> this flight was going from L.A. to Detroit or Houston? Come on, man. Come on. All y'all got is box, box cutter? Come on now. Come on. All I'm going to get is stitches? Okay. Come on now. But, you know, and I remember that, remember the, the two that said, let's roll, you know, when yeah. it, so it was just all kind of things, man. So uh, 9-11, it is the anniversary. Do you remember what you were doing that day? 877-242-2426. Get to your calls. And- McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. About 10 minutes, it's the D.L. Hugo Show. The question that we're asking, ask, 
asking. Accent. <laughs> I had it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> the GED coming out. It's Hassan. coming. You learn it. He learns. That's real good um, book learning. The uh, the thing that uh, we're asking is, how do you feel? Uh, what happened on 9-11 that day? Do you have any memories of that? That's the question we're asking. We're going to the phones. I do remember vividly when I was going on 9-11 that year. My oldest daughter had a field trip to the apple orchard, and my youngest daughter and I accompanied her in my car. Listening to the radio, not fully understanding what was going on, I didn't find out the impact of what went on until after school that day. And I was just too outdone to see what was going on in America and just really so close to home. At that time, I lived in Indiana, but it was a real shock. Oh, yes. At the time, I remember real good. Uh, At the time, I was a staff sergeant in the Army my 15th year in. I was a platoon sergeant. And when my first sergeant, big old dude, big muscle dude, he was so scared that day. We was out there training. He came out. He said, Sergeant Wright, Sergeant Wright, get your soldiers ready. We're going to war. And he was, like, scared, hysterical. We're going to war. We're going to war. We've been attacked. And so I had to get all my soldiers together, some training, and we went down to the oily room. And, you know, at the time, Fort Hood was an open post. Anybody can grab on open on the post anytime you want. And so we had to secure the post, and uh, it was just a hysterical moment. I distinctly remember that day because it was my brother's birthday, who is deceased. So I was in my office thinking about him when one of the co-workers called out nonchalantly, a plane just went into a building, so no one paid any attention to it. And then she said, another plane just went into the building. So we all jumped up and went to her little um, television, and we all were surrounded by the TV watching this, and they let us go home. Uh, we worked for the government, and they let us go home, but no work was done. We just watched the TV, and I just felt so sad. I started crying. I mean, I think it was just one of the worst days of my life. All right, we got more of your calls coming up. It's the D.L. Hughley Show. The question we're asking, 9-11, what do you think? What are your thoughts? What happened? Do you have any memories? We're going to the phones. Yeah, 9-11, man. When it happened, I was I was in prison. And uh, I had never, ever seen a whole lot of killers, murderers, and all type of people in prison. Everybody was, was crying, man. It affected. And um, when I got out of prison, man, it changed my life, man. I know exactly where I was on 9-11. I was off work. I was at home. I was rolling the doobie and drinking a beer. I thought it was a movie promotion until the second plane came in. And I was like, WTF? And called all my family members and asked them, are you watching TV? I was getting ready for class that morning and about to go get the new Jay-Z album. And I seen the plane hit the building on the TV. And I knew that the world won't be going to be the same no more after that. I remember 2001, September 11th, man, I was in seventh grade. And they put it on the TVs in every classroom to see what was going on. And uh, basically, they called in all the buses, sent everybody home. And, you know, it was just a crazy day. No one knew what was happening, you know. Man, I remember I was like 23 years old, and uh, like everyone else, you know, I, I seen the first uh, airplane hit. And then next thing you know, you see the second airplane hit. And then it was just like a state of shock, you know what I'm saying, for everybody. I lived next to the gas station, man, and it was everyone thought the world was about to end. So uh, just, this was before you had to pay in the store, man. So I pulled up to the gas station, filled up, and I left. Got me a free tank of gas. 
when the World Trade Center had, when they had hit the World Trade Center, I was I was in the DC Nine Painters Union in New York City in Queens, and we was painting the roof. We was painting, the, we was doing an oil based paint on the roof on the pipes that was up there. I saw the first plane hit. I thought it was like a mistake. I thought I was like, wow, these buildings are so high that the plane hit it by mistake. But when I saw that second plane make that dip, dive, and turn, I was up. Oh, time to go. Time to get the heck off of this roof and go to hell home. <laughs> I slept through the whole thing. By the time I worked nights, by the time I went to work, about 10 p.m. going to work, every digital sign on the expressway in Atlanta said all airports are closed, national emergencies, all flights are grounded. And all I remember was thinking that somebody launched maybe a nuclear weapon towards Atlanta, not knowing what happened. By the time I got to work, my coworker took me up on the floor and showed the footage. And I think I didn't breathe for two minutes. I had to sit down because I stopped breathing. We got today's Millennial Minute with the one and only DJ Lucci. That will be up directly. It's the D.L. Hughley Show. And now it's time for our Millennial Minute with the one and only DJ Lucci. Samia. So much like most uh, NCAA stars, our former NCAA stars, uh, DeMarcus Cousins was recently on Kevin Garnett's podcast, I believe, uh, stating that he has a big problem with the NCAA and how they treated uh, the stars back then because he said that one day he was playing in Mexico and somebody was selling his you know jersey and they made $60,000 and he knew he would be in trouble if he even took a free meal. So he kind of feels like the, the nil or NIL stuff that's going on for these present college kids is uh, one, a little too late and two, it's kind of like reparations you know, that they're finally, the only reason that it's you know, nationwide now is because California did it first and they couldn't have, uh, you know, California getting all the recruitment. But basically he said that, it, you know, it's not, it's not, it wasn't fair for, for the stars it back wasn't. then. It and, wasn't. You know, especially for people who are only, that really peaked in college and maybe didn't have success, uh, you know, in the bigger like NBA or NFL, they could have really, they could, you know, yeah. really use that money. But listen, now, um, remember Bono's, you know, remember he didn't really have a great yeah. career, but he could have been or people who've gotten yeah. hurt. You know, yeah. you could have. I yeah. know that. Like, I think they said Shadir Sanders is making like two million dollars yeah. now. Maurice correct before he went crazy. I mean, I'm telling it's a lot of people. It is so the nil money is so potentially high and vast that Caleb Williams' his father Probably. saying he might not come out. Yeah, if he can go to if he goes if he said if it's not the right team he'll he'll wait. Which, Let me see. I mean, you want to go to Arizona Cardinals or no. play for the USC Trojans? <laughs> that, that ain't even hard. That's yeah. that ain't even hard. I'm insulted. You asked me. That. <laughs> right. This right. Your millennial minute with Isamia. We were uh, we're gonna be talking all that jazz with Deborah Farmer. It's the D.L. Hughley Show. More fun is on the way on the D.L. Hughley Show. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Uh, it's the Dale Hughley show. Uh, your indictment, indictment update. update. Um, so even hundred, I'll try. I'll 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 see you one hundred Biden indictment against Donald Trump's eighty. Yeah. <laughs> 
Did you see uh, what Fonnie Willis said to Jim Jordan? What she said? You know, Jim Jordan yeah. called for an investigation yeah. into what Investigating she's doing. Investigating everything but kids getting diddled <laughs> by the wrestling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't have to. We don't want to investigate kids getting fisted by the wrestling coach. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. She basically said uh, that he's misinformed and, you know, doesn't really know a lot about the law and that what he's doing is interfering with, you know, her right, right, her right. Const- the constitutional right. rights. And she said, also, why don't you do yourself a favor and go purchase a $249 law book right. and so you can learn about RICO state by state. Right. Well, yeah. before you and speak and I roll your sleeves like you are a manager at Sears. I can't yeah. stand that. <laughs> he does roll I can't his stand when up. you roll your sleeves. Yeah. It's a hard land. Man, yes. come on now. He does. I don't want to talk to you about cornflakes I got to put back. What's wrong with you? Let's leave that alone. Yeah. All right. Remember that if you are going to be in uh, Schaumburg, a suburb of Chicago, everybody knows that. I'll be there this uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, to Friday, to Saturday, to Sunday. Come check me out. Uh, We're going to be talking all that jazz. That's coming up. We got the Hughley Hustle Home Mix. Plus, we got another short bus records presentation. And, of course, Jasmine Sanders is doing devil duty. She's going to cover the hot topics. It's the D.L. Hughley Show. Hey, Jasmine. Hey, girl, welcome to Talking All That Jazz. How you doing? I'm wonderful. Thanks. How are you? I am doing good. Listen, I am super excited to talk to you for several reasons. First and foremost, obviously, we want to get into, you know, your memoir, the journey, my journey to Joshua. But one of the things that I am connecting with you is, you know, also being an advocate for adoption. You know, it's not often that you get the opportunity to talk to somebody else who shares the same kind of passion and and talk a little bit about their journey. And so I could not wait to get on the phone with you so we can get into it yes i'm excited thank you i am too it's it's so interesting i don't know how you feel um when it comes to adoption but i feel like the the biggest thing for me is the misconception about adoption and i was adopted during a time when you know it was a secret you didn't talk about it you know matter of fact i didn't find out i was adopted until i was almost well about 12 years old and it was because my brother told me and i ended up being nosy and getting into the nitty-gritty of the truth um what do you what do you think about adoption in terms of the secrecy that that used to exist and in some cases i think it's still prevalent today but not as much as it used to be you know that is the very reason that i am strongly advocating that we have these conversations and have them early and often you know with my son he's now seven years old and we talked to him about it as long as we could you know, at the beginning of time. I mean, so it's a part of our conversation. He, I don't think he fully understands it, but he knows it in our conversation with him that he's adopted. And I think the reason being because we need to remove the stigma around it. There's nothing wrong with loving a child that is not biologically yours. And I think that we've lived through a culture of secrecy, and it's time for us to get around that and really have conversations that are truthful and that don't leave people scarred in the end when they find out the secrecy of, um, you know, being adopted. Now, tell me about uh, my journey to Joshua. Tell me a little bit about how that came to be. Uh, give us a little synopsis about what we can expect in the book. And uh, and tell us, you know, from, from where it, it was birthed from you. Sure. I think the biggest piece for me was as I was going through this journey, and that's why I call it my journey to Joshua, there were so many different emotions that came up. 
where initially when I would talk to people about it, you would get the pushback. Well, why do you want to do that? And why don't we wait till you have children of your own? And so you have that level of information that I'm sharing in the book. How did I get over the hurdle to actually go through the process? You know, I was introduced to foster care in the early 90s when I was working in local television in Chicago. So I had an understanding of it, but to actually go through the process was totally different. So you get tips on how do you actually go through the process if you choose to foster a child, if you choose to adopt. Another layer, too, that I talk about in the book is actually put us in a position where, you know, let's talk about love just at the basic level. What were your lessons on love? Um, you know, truthfully speaking, my grandmother, my late grandmother was old school, so she would say, what does love have to do with it? And mm. so you have to really unravel, do you even know love? And so a lot of the chapters deal with just the basic level of my understanding of love and relationships, even to have the faith to actually go through this process. And the other piece, too, is educational, because there are so many things that we just don't know as it relates to not only fostering the child, but then also the process of adopting a child. So it's an educational tool as well. Deborah, listen, I am so excited to read my journey to Joshua. Uh, can you tell us where it's available? Tell us where we can find you. And if we want to connect with you, if there are other people out there who are interested in adoption or want to learn more, uh, give us some information about how we can find you. Yeah, thank you for that. So you can actually follow me on social media, My Journey to Joshua. And you can also order the book on MyJourneyToJoshua.com. That's fully spelled out, MyJourneyToJoshua.com. And I'm on every social media platform. And that's, again, where you can purchase the book at MyJourneyToJoshua.com. Well, Deborah Farmer, I just appreciate everything that you're doing. I appreciate your dedication. Uh, we got to do some work together, girl. It's a, it's a lot of road to cover, but I think between okay. your passion and mine, we can do it. And it starts with my journey to Joshua. I'm going to follow you on social media. I'm going to pick up a copy of that book. Matter of fact, I have some, some, some girlfriends who are actually having conversations with me about helping them to um, be open to adoption. And so I'm actually going to purchase a couple of books so that they can read about your journey to Joshua and Hopefully that will give them the courage uh, to move forward with what their heart is is telling them to do. I would love that. You know, I, if you don't mind, let's try to find ways to connect because I am the biggest cheerleader in this space. So I would love to talk to your girlfriends, get them across the finish line. Let's, that's a done deal, girl. Consider that done. I'm going to link up with you and we're going to do what we can together. It's like Wonder Twin Powers Activate. Me and you against the world. Do it. <laughs> thank you, Deb. I really appreciate it. And look for me on social media. I'm going to look for you. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great one. You too. Like the kid, kid Jazz man. What man? Can uh, you tell these good people what is trending? Well, I hate to do, I hate to bring this up. I've been I, I've do been dodging talking you hate about to this, bring it up. but I'm going to go ahead and put it out there, and I'm going to quickly glaze over it. You can say what you want to, right. and then we'll keep going. Uh, Shirley Strawberry was trending because you know she had to, I guess come clean about her relationship with her husband, her now, I guess, soon-to-be ex-husband who is in jail and has been in jail for the past year. Uh, apparently, some kind of scheme that he had with his mistress uh, caused Shirley to lose just about everything, her house, her car, all of these things. Um, and it include also pedophilia allegations. So, uh, I guess she had to come clean because some tapes leaked of her saying some things not so nice about Steve Harvey and his wife. And so, she publicly apologized during her strawberry letter. 
You know, I'll Sad say this. Sad situation. Um, first off, I don't understand why you such accomplished women go with such sorry ass dudes. One, I don't understand it happen. It's, it's it's a pattern that seems to happen over and over again. I've seen women, a lot of women, being with dudes that like at, at the end of you go, what was this bro thinking? Like I don't care if it's Ken Don't, I don't care if it's Sherry Shepherd's dude that tricked her into a having a baby and paying child support. I don't care <laughs> if it's Jill Scott. I don't care if it's uh you know it's 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 that one, there are a lot of sorry dudes out there that I never could count for. The other thing is this sorry ass dude, whoever he is knew if your ass is in jail, everything you say is going to be taped, Record. right? Mm -hmm. You weren't even trying to protect the golden goose. You weren't even trying to protect her from her employer. Mm -hmm. Not only do you cost this woman everything, but then you you know that what your conversations are being taped, I'm sure Shirley is naive and that. I'm sure she ain't been to jail a lot or dated a lot of dudes <laughs> have been in jail a lot Probably or no. But anytime you're talking to a in jail is going to be recorded and he knows that yeah. if he been there a year he most certainly knows that even when they say it ain't even even if you was just tricking off and doing whatever at least after you don't cost this woman everything don't potentially cost her a job yeah by saying by letting her just say hey, baby we can't have this conversation right here you know you being taped I cannot stand first off I can't stand a gold digger but I can't stand a sorry ass dude worse yeah worse and you know what? We have to quickly say congratulations to Coco Gauff. Yeah, Coco Gauff. Congratulations. Yeah. Let, me, let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. Here's what I hope. I was thinking about this. Uh, very, congratulations, Coco Gauff. But I, I feel bad about these situations because there's... So, remember Naomi Osaka and how we were I talking do. about her not three years ago and mm -hmm. the pressure of... And she was about this age. She, yep. You have to really... And she, all of a sudden, it was just too much. So more than any, more than praying for her success, I'm pr praying for her ability to navigate success. Yeah. Well, well I'm hoping that the, the ever. Yeah, I was going to say she that's seems very grounded. Her parents are ever present. Family, there you go, Jack. Yes, that's, absolutely. That's, I think that's going to help what, a lot. What I want to say is, I'm praying for her success and her ability to navigate her success because. What does this say? Be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. Mm -hmm. And when you get it at a very young age, I don't know, in any endeavor, how many times have you seen young people? I don't care if it's a, a basketball player who doesn't know how to, like, it's they're entertainer, just, actors. Uh, when you're very young and, and all of this happens, you have to really be. So I know that we are in, uh, uh, we, we can pray for your success, but we can also, also pray for your ability to handle it. And, and and make sure it doesn't do you do, do damage to you because sure. she stepped away Amen. two years ago sure. and ain't came back. Oh no, she's back. Who named me? She just had a baby. She just had a baby. She had a baby, but she announced that she's coming back. So and, and she's twenty five, which is in tennis yeah. is I mean, you know what I mean. A little longer yeah. than two. All right, coming up, we got a song from when your mom and daddy were still together. Plus, the military man Jamal Kings is going to be right here to expose racism hidden in our everyday lives. It is the D.L. Hughley Show. It is uh, the D.L. Hughley Show, your uh, yeah, indictment update. It. So Mark Meadows' attempt to uh, move <laughs> to the feds. They shut that down quick. Yeah. Yep. Nope, not going to Let happen. me just tell you, Mark Meadows, in the words of a lot of people, I know you're getting trade, you're, getting tra uh, you're going to be tried by a lot of black people. Yes, you are. <laughs> you are going to be tried by trying to move it to the feds. What he was trying to do was move it to the feds. It would be the same charges, but the jury pool would be different. Yep. Now, nah, this pool is mm -hmm. going to be full of Full of them. Just waiting. Chuck full. And Chuck full. Now you know how we feel when we go to court in places that don't have a mm -hmm. jury. See, we know what it's like to not have a jury of our peers. 
Sure do. <laughs> you know what Your I mean? Turn. We know what it's like to not have a jury of people that look like us, come from our same experiences, have come from our same various walks of life, same basic identity. Now you're getting tried. It's, it's almost like, and you're getting tried in this way because they wrote the laws they wrote, the RICO laws they wrote to trap young black men. And every time, sometimes that loophole become a noose. <laughs> the spirit of the law. Has caught you yep. in the letter of the law. The yep. spirit of the law has caused some jigaboos. That's yep. what it's saying. Got you. So go on and let go of that little emergency yep. stay you requested. He You're like, uh, uh-uh, come on now, we gotta, uh, mm-hmm. because how many times have we been tried by people that do not look like us? Just a few hundred years. <laughs> right? How many times have, I mean, you know, just historically, how many times have we sat across from somebody and that jury of your peers looks nothing like you? Yeah. Roughly nothing. four centuries. Right. And when you saw that was happening, you went, nah, <laughs> I'm not ready to be tried by them. I'm going to go and say, please, fans, help me out. Nope, not going to help you. I bet Rodney King wish he could have done that. I bet, I bet Rodney King did <laughs> wish he could have. Those policemen were, so it is interesting to see how what you have planned for evil works out for your demise. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're welcome. You wouldn't have cared at all. Nobody cares. You know, and the thing about it is, um, Young Thug can't even seat a jury. They can't even see the jury because so many people are like, I don't see. <laughs> I don't see. Now, he might want to go to the fans. You know what I mean? Not going to happen. All right, come here. We got a song for when your mom and daddy were still together. We have the militant man, Jamal Kingsley. He is here to expose racism hidden in our everyday lives. We got a little note from the GED section. And Sybil Wilkes will give us what we need to know on the D.L. Hughley Show. Now it is time for What You Need to Know with the one and only Sybil Wilkes. It's Sybil Wilkes with What You Need to Know. President Biden will mark the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks at a memorial ceremony in Alaska today. The president will meet with first responders and military members at Joint Base Elmendorf Richardson in Anchorage. Meanwhile, Vice President Kamala Harris and the second gentleman will attend a ceremony at the 9-11 Memorial and Museum in New York City. Rescue efforts are ongoing in Morocco days after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the North African country. More than 2,100 people are confirmed dead and the toll is expected to rise. Thousands were injured as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Coco Goff won her first major women's tennis title this weekend. The six-seeded American took down number two seed Arena Sabalenka in the final of the 2023 U.S. Open in three sets to win her first major at the age of 19. I'm Sybil Wilkes. Be informed. Be empowered. Thank you, Sybil. What have you learned? It's coming up next on the D.L. Hughley Show. That is going to do it for us. Uh, uh, it's the D.L. Hughley Show, your uh, indictment update. update. Remember that if you're in Schaumburg or Chicago, I'll take either one. I will be there this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Schaumburg Improv, a suburb of uh, Chicago. So come check me out. Also, a big old shout out to the people in Louisville, Kentucky that came out. Every show sold out. It was wonderful. Hmm. Um, Very nice. Of course, uh, now is the time, even though it's 22 years ago. I know people, uh, 9-11, when we were talking about that earlier, I know people who um, I read an interesting story about Steve Buscemi, the actor. You yeah. know, at that time, he was a fireman. Hmm. He was an actor coming along, but he he was a fireman, too. And so he went for five days. He went uh, to Ground Zero and saw, saw what he could do to help. And uh, it's really interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm not, we, we all have stories that are interconnected to, to, to this date. And it, it all obviously will live in infamy. But the apartment that I live in now that I have in New York actually was, you know, a place yeah. where the tower fell. And every, uh, the, the 10th of every uh, year, 
a bunch of motorcycle riders come and park and just walk around. And to date, I, what I've lived there 15, 16 years. And to date, I've never been to the monument for 9 11. Mm. Why? Because it just seems like all those dead, so I can't take it. It's too much for me. Um, uh, Jasmine Sanders, what did you learn today? So I just want to take some time out to uh, ask people to remember those people in Morocco. Yeah, that yes. earthquake, almost 3,000 people um, you know, dead and uh, another 3,000 they think injured, something like that. But you know, they're asking people to do what you can to help. You know, Just go online and, and figure out ways to help them. It's a sad, sad It situation. sounds like revelations, don't it? it? Earthquake, indeed. war, yeah. floods. I mean, it's just... And I mean, Trump. I ain't no Bible thumper. Right. Trump but if I see lot. four white dudes on horses riding down the street, I'm I'm out. When I'm pale, if it's a pale rider and it ain't Clint Eastwood, I no, think I'm in right. trouble. If you hear a horn, you better run. You can open the book of Revelations and come up with a reason why you late for work. Yeah. The beast with just seven heads got me double parked. Yes, I can't get out. Yes, indeed. I see seven heads a lot, but I drink bourbon, too, so we even... Um, Skip my man Cheetah. What'd you learn today? Why y'all talking about all the kind of somber and bad news that we're remembering? But uh, it's got, 9-11, man. I, I got to do it. Well, I got some good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. I got to shout out to my dear daughter who goes yes. to UCLA. She got her first yes. career, college career yes. goal last night. Yes. So uh, as a freshman, which is good. I know yeah, there have been some people there that have been juniors and seniors before they got their first goal. So she got her mm-hmm. as yeah. a freshman. So I she's uh, Congrats. Congratulations. She, and I'm girl. sure she's going to the limit, but I would suggest she stays away from the Spanish coach. All right, coming up on the next, congratulations to to, to, the cheetah (laughs) at UCLA. Uh, On the next deal, you can show sometimes people really get upset with the things I say, so we're going to give them an opportunity to vent with our segment called F-U-D-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-G-L-U-